You're listening to the Canes Country Podcast with Brett Finger, Justin Lape, and Kyle Morton. The winds of change are blowing across the Carolina Hurricanes. Justin? Wow, that was quite the analogy. Quite. I've, I've read that about 35 times over the past month. So, winds of change. Have you used it in an article? I've not. <laughs> oh. I don't think I have. I certainly hope I haven't because I kind of hate that now. I've heard it so many times. What just, what was yeah. what was the biggest gust so far since the last time we talked? I think the biggest gust so far is the thing that hasn't even happened yet, which is Jeff Skinner. Uh, that gust just won't stop. It's constant, and people uh, associated with newspapers in Raleigh are writing about Skinner and people who used to be his teammates and someone who got a an assist on his first NHL goal are throwing shade, and it's just a mess right now. Yeah, it is. It is. It just seems very up in the air and, and, and uncertain at this point. Um you kind of just want it all to just either get it over with and have him stay and and say he's a part of this team moving forward or, you know, go ahead and ship him out and, and see what you can get in return. Yeah. Um, I mean, something has to happen soon, right? I mean, so we were waiting for – geez, let's go back here. We were waiting for Kovalchuk to sign. He signed in L.A. on the second day of the draft. Um, then we were waiting for John Tavares to sign, and he signed with the Maple Leafs. That's the huge news of free agency so far. And now, and then there was another thing that was like, okay, we're waiting for James Neal to sign, but he signed in Calgary. So we've waited a long time, and people have been saying that we need to wait. But now... It seems like it's just Skinner. Rick Nash is apparently thinking about retirement. Um, Artemi Panarin is kind of available. Not really, but kind of. I would think that Jeff Skinner is the best available option for a team like San Jose or Boston or whoever if if they want a scoring impact forward. Um, But I don't know. The whole situation is weird. Um... I'm interested. I'm interested to see how that turns out, because so much has been said about uh, about Jeff in in the media. Um, again, former teammates, uh, general manager Don Waddell has been pretty open about him being shopped, pretty much. And I really, I really don't know how you can keep him at this point. You you've thrown his name out there and kind of through the mud. Uh, for weeks now, and I I don't think you can keep him now. Or am I wrong here? No, I don't think you can. Um, and I think, you know, there was players are used to having their names in the rumor mill. I mean, Jeff Skinner's been there before. There's been many a times where, at least in the media, they've tried to trade him. Um, but now it seems like it's definitely the organization's mindset. And when an ambassador comes out in Eric Cole. And, and says the, the comments he, he ended up making, there's no turning back. It has to happen now. And, it's, and it really stinks that it's kind of coming to this um, because through these, these dark nine years, um, Jeff Skinner's been a part for most of it, and he's been the bright spot on the team. He's been the, the source of fun almost. Um, it's, it's very frustrating that it has to go out like this. Um, I don't, you know, we don't know what happens behind closed doors. We don't have that kind of access. But um, I I don't know if anything he may have said or may have done warrants this kind of treatment on his way out. The only thing I can think of is we don't have confirmation on this. And I'd imagine that after he's traded, we'll have clarification here. Um, I wonder, I'm starting... Well, I've kind of had this feeling all along, but I think he is asking for a trade. I think he wants out because 
if he isn't, if he's not asking for a trade, then I don't understand why that why this is going the way it's going. Um, if this is just an example of of the team wanting to get rid of a player, then this would be a really weird way to go about it. I think. Um, but if 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 Jeff Skinner wants out and he wants to get traded, then I can understand a little bit why this is going on. Um, obviously, I don't think we'll know for sure until he is traded. Um, because again, I don't think that he can stay here. I think that too much damage has been done through this process for him to just stay here and act like nothing happened. I mean, Rod Brindamore has talked about how he has a lot to to prove if he wants ice time and all this stuff. Uh, Don Waddell has openly said that they're shopping him. Eric Cole is going on the radio and saying that, you know, he's been giving he's been given way too loose of a chain, I guess. Um, he's been given a lot of slack and the team's been overlooking his uh, defensive deficiencies over the past however many years. Uh, people are writing columns about how he is not a hard-working defensive player. Um, almost all of it is stuff that I disagree with. Um, I don't think he should be traded. And I don't think, Justin, I don't think you think he should be traded either. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I I saw a tweet, and I forgot who it was from, so I apologize in advance. But when your biggest problem with a player who has scored 28 goals 37 goals and 24 goals over the past three years um if your biggest issue and big thing you're upset about him is his plus minus he's not the problem and yeah i mean he's not the problem um does he get away with a little bit too much uh defensively maybe but i think we saw last year that when he's being forced to be a responsible two-way player, that doesn't work either. I think there's a middle ground. Um, You expect him to be a little bit self-sufficient on defense, um, but you're going to take the mistakes as long as he scores goals, and and he does. So, I don't know. It's just, it's tough for me to, you know, comprehend all this, and I've been trying for, for what seems like months now. Uh, to understand why Jeff Skinner is so openly being shopped, but right, I think at this point you just have to get the best return possible for him and end this because this is just getting worse and worse by the day. It seems. No, I don't get it either. Um, and you know me; I've been a very strong Jeff Skinner defender. We we we've had a few discussions on this podcast about how I think he is as a player, and his job is to score. We know this. Um, I think gone are the days that, you know, I don't think every player on the ice has to be a good two-way player. I think, you know, does it help your team? Sure. But is it a necessity? No way. No way. I don't think Tarasenko is a two-way player. You know, I I, I don't – even Ovechkin didn't turn around to become a two-way player until kind of this playoffs. And, I mean, you know, it benefited him, but – He's always been a one, you know, a pretty very, very, very strong one-dimensional player, and Jeff Skinner is very one-dimensional too. I don't, I don't get the need to force him out, but I understand if you think it's a it money of or an issue of money. Um, you know, supposedly he wants the rumor is you know a longer-term contract, and he's obviously due for a pay raise. He's a multiple thirty-goal scorer, and he's still in his prime, and. For all concerns that we know, he's pretty healthy. Um, you know, the concussion history was obviously a concern for some teams, um, but I, you know, from what we understand, he is pretty much set. Um, I don't like forcing him out this off season. Um, I think that if you're going to roll with him, I think you might as well. And if this team is, you know, whether it's inevitably out of the playoffs or unfortunately out of the playoffs, um, come, you know, late February, ship them at the deadline. You should see some of these packages that these players get. 
I mean, imagine Jeff Skinner on that on that you know chopping block. That's at least a first, a you know top prospect, and maybe a second or third as well. I mean, it, he it would he would get a substantial haul. I just don't understand trading him in the offseason when his value is low. Now, as for locations, um, San Jose seems like the most obvious choice. Uh, they missed out on John Tavares, unfortunately. Uh, if if they would have got him, I would mark them down as cup favorites and basically locked it in there. Um, but a team that I think makes sense to me is Florida. Um, they they made you know a move for Mike Hoffman, which we know the background history to him, but um, the on ice production can't be ignored. Um, and they they mentioned that they kept wanting to add to their offense and you know make some bigger moves. I think Jeff Skinner would fit very well into that team. Um, you know whether he's in his no trade clause or won't waive to go there, um, you know remains to be seen. But I, I think he would also be a great fit there, and I think that they could honestly compete for a spot in the Atlantic. It's a tough Atlantic, but um, if if Florida adds another goal scorer and, you know, their goaltender situation's tight, then, I mean, that could be a playoff team. That could. They're, they're, they just continue to grow, and I think everyone forgets how good Alexander Barkov is. But, anyway, as I'm saying, um, you know, you have some contract decisions to make next offseason, but in terms of free agency... You can either cross your fingers and hope Artemi Panarin, Matt Duchesne, Joe Pavelski, one of them are going to hit the open market. But we kind of have this this um, trend in the NHL that the teams keep re-signing with the, the team they're already on. John Tavares is the biggest move that we've seen probably in the past 10 years. I mean, okay, maybe Parise and Suter? Yes? No? I think, I, I think Tav- Tavares is on another level than that. Yeah, exactly. I, I agree. And I just think that just letting Jeff Skinner walk wouldn't be smart either. So, I don't know. I, I wish they would speed up the process so you can kind of understand what their roster is going to look like. They still have TVR unsigned. Um, but, you know, I think that if the culture change was needed, you ship out Elias Lindholm, you shipped out Noah Hannafin, Um I don't think you need to ship out the rest just to make a statement. Um, for me, I'm I'm not a Justin Falk advocate. I would I would love to see him traded for another, you know, forward. I don't think this offense is set. I think that you'd be relying too much on rookies. I think that Andre Svechnikov and Martin Nietzsche are probably going to be great players for the Carolina Hurricanes. But can you expect 50, 60 points from each of them? First year, I don't think you can. Probably, it would be nice, but you shouldn't expect that from them. That's a lot. Um, you know, sometimes players are late bloomers too. So we'll see. Uh, but yeah, I think you already kind of shook up the team with the big trade. Um, and by the way, Brett, Dougie mm-hmm. Hamilton. Dougie Hamilton is a Carolina Hurricane. I know. We haven't talked. We haven't had a podcast since before the draft. That's amazing. Yeah, that's amazing. So let's talk. Let let's shift gears a little bit. Yes, Jeff Skinner obviously needs to be traded, and by probably by the time this podcast gets out, he will have already been moved. Knowing our luck, yeah, this will be pointless. Um, But yeah, let's talk a little bit about the trade and and what it means. Everybody obviously knows what happens. Um, Noah Hannafin and Elias Lindholm were shipped to their old coach in Calgary, Bill Peters. Lucky them for Dougie Hamilton, Michael Furland, and. Prospect Adam Fox. So, first of all, what were your initial thoughts on this move? Uh, so the the day of the draft, um, there were a lot of rumors about Elias Lindholm, and and for backstory, if if uh, some people listening don't know how this all went down, um, the Hurricanes met with the representation of Lindholm and Hannafin before the draft and they tried to figure out a contract extension and those talks did not go well. Uh, There was one report that the Lindholm talks especially went very poorly. Um, So, you know, they, I think they went into those discussions with a firm number on what they were willing to pay and 
I believe the reports were Lindholm wanted more than five million, and Lindholm or Hannafin wanted six million or something like that, and those those numbers are above what I would be com- comfortable paying them as well. Um, I would have been okay with giving Lindholm five million dollars. Honestly, I really <laughs> like him. I know, I know, uh, that's a that's a wild take probably, but. Uh, Hannafin for more than six uh, is pushing it. It's really pushing it. And when you have the opportunity to get guaranteed contract in Dougie Hamilton at under $6 million for an elite right-handed defenseman, um, that's something you can't turn down. I mean, he had 17 goals last year, 50 points two years ago. Um, he's a power play quarterback. He's a huge six foot six guy he's not overly physical but he can play both sides of the ice really well he's smart um he's immediately the he and jet or jacob slavin are the best defensemen on this team and it's neck and neck i think dougie hamilton's probably better given what he can do offensively jacob slavin can still do that and it can still get to his level sure um I'm just, you know, the idea of a Slavin-Hamilton top pairing is, oh, that's amazing. That's that's among the best D pairings on paper in the National Hockey League. And Brett Pesci and Jacob Slavin were already in that conversation, um, probably to a lesser degree. But Slavin-Hamilton, I mean, you're talking about two defensemen who could get 40 points next year. Um, Slavin got 30 this year and he was incredible down the stretch. If he carries that over, he can be a high thirties, lower forties point wise defenseman. I think he still has more to give offensively. Um, and Hamilton's proven that he's a year in and year out 40 point guy. Um, and then of course you get Michael Furland who played, with Monahan and Goudreau last year and got 20 goals, 40 points. Um, he's a physical, big hitter, um, which is something Carolina needed. Um, I think I think the word grit is uh, overstated and kind of funny sometimes, but they needed it. They needed the, the rough stuff in their lineup. And with Furland, you get the rough stuff and you get the uh, ability of him playing with skill guys and being able to keep up and and he show that he has the ability to create offense as well so i like that and then maybe my favorite part of this entire trade is adam fox who i would have been okay with furland and hamilton for lindholm and Han- or lindholm and hannafin for furland and oh my gosh <laughs> I would have been okay. We're keeping all this in. I would have been okay with Hannafin and Lindholm for Furland and Hamilton uh, straight up. I think the Hurricanes get the better end of the defensemen and the Flames get the better end of the forward. Um, I would have been fine with that. I think that's an even trade. But throwing in Adam Fox was what really made me like this deal. Um, He is a an exciting offensive defenseman, right-hand shot. Uh, He's going back to Harvard this year, but afterwards the Canes will have to get him signed. And from everything I've seen, that's not going to be a problem. Uh, I think Waddell said he's 99.9% sure that he's going to sign, which, I mean, we'll we'll see. Uh, And there were rumors that Fox didn't want to sign in Calgary. Um, Fox said that he uh, never said anything about his future plans. Uh, I don't know who's right in that. I'd probably side with Calgary. Didn't think that he, they were going to get him signed, so they you know, got the value out of him, I guess. Um, but if, if they can get Fox signed, I think this is a home run win for the Hurricanes. And even with Hamilton and Furling coming back, I, I like Carolina's end of the deal a bit more. And this is coming from someone who love, love, loves Lindholm and Hannafin a lot. So... Uh, you got to be okay with that, I think. Uh, Justin, what do you think? Well, I mean, if you wanted a culture shakeup, you got it, without a doubt. Um, it's 
This is a great deal for both teams, in my opinion. Especially, I do, I do especially, like the deal for both teams. I think yeah. both teams got a good players here. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, now, I think this this deal will be, you know, the chef's kiss um, if Adam Fox does sign. Um, Waddell seemed to have not been too worried about that at the draft, um, and I think he voiced his sentiments again about that. Um, if if he ends up, you know, continuing to grow and, you know, he gets a few extra, you know, maybe a year or two uh, at the NCAA level, um, you know, he can step right in. And, you know, a bottom pairing is a good start for him. And, um, you know, he might even have higher upside than that. He projects um, as a top four guy for what it's worth. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but the, the top four guy you get right now is the best top four guy on your team, and that's Dougie Hamilton. Um, his ability to move the puck and to score at the rate he does for a defenseman is, you know, it's elite. Um, I think he is, without a doubt, a top ten defenseman in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I'd sit him top five. Definitely not. No. Uh, but top ten is a fair statement. Um, to do that and give up, you know, not have to give up draft picks or to give up an even larger package is a big win. Um, the only thing that concerns me about the long-term, um, you know, prospects of this deal is Noah Hannafin. Um, I'm not too worried about Elias Lindholm. I think we've seen the player that he's going to be. Um, yes, his stats could probably get inflated next to Monaghan and Goudreau. Probably who wouldn't? get their stats inflated next Berlin got his stats in, inflated yeah so I, I i just think that well now they they now that the flame sign james neal looks like lindholm's yeah. already bumped to line two yeah so I, I saw a tweet that was like elias lindholm has already been moved several times throughout the lineup and it's still july <laughs> yeah and it's gonna, it's probably gonna stay that way with bill peters and his lines oh, he's yeah. never happy oh. um I think, no, but in, in all honesty, I think we've seen what Lindholm is. It's Noah Hannafin's ceiling that worries me. Um, will he achieve that ceiling next year? No way. No way. He's not ready for that yet. I think that you're going to see another, within the next three years, you'll see what Hannafin is. Um, and I think his ceiling, his, the top peak that he could reach is Dougie Hamilton. Exactly. Yeah. And so what you did was speed up your process a little bit. Um, Dougie Hamilton is still relatively young. Um, 25. Yeah, so you still have a player not really almost in his prime, technically. And what he's done, I mean, it's it's nothing but positive. It just speeds things up a little bit. It gives you um, a cap hit that's assured for the next few seasons. So it, it's a great deal. As for Michael Furland, yes, he does add that little bit of bite. But the problem with, with players with bite, you want that little skill and edge to it and i think he would fit very well in that third line um i think you can go ahead and pencil him in there um maybe next you know whether where jordan Stahl fits in the lineup or where they're going to put him whether that's with t you know tsa line or 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 put him in the third line with like a, a furlan or something like that that that's a very solid line especially in terms of puck possession and and tiring out teams mm-hmm. all right so this is going to be a little weird um per usual uh, some big news dropped about the Carolina Hurricanes um, a matter of hours after we record the podcast. So we're going to go ahead and talk about Calvin DeHaan, who the Hurricanes signed to a four-year contract, annual value of $4.55 million um, that will stretch through the 2021-2022 season. Calvin DeHaan, Last year, 33 games played with the New York Islanders, where he spent his entire NHL career. He was a first-round pick back in 2009. Last year, 33 games, 12 points. His season was cut short due to shoulder surgery, but he and everybody else is saying that all is good on that front and he's ready to go. So, Justin, Calvin DeHaan, left-handed top four defenseman. Um, A lot of analytics people love him. Um, he's a really solid two-way defenseman, uh, good passing, really good defense. He slots in as the second left-shot defenseman in the top four, of course, behind Jacob Slavin. So, thoughts on Calvin DeHaan? 
Well, first and foremost, I, I think it's surprising. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think it was inevitable, as we spoke earlier in the episode, that Justin Falk was going to be moved. Um, and Dougie Hamilton was kind of the, the, the tipping point there. Um, when they said that they wanted to get even deeper on defense, and maybe he, I think Waddell mentioned something about a depth signing, um, I thought it was just going to be like an Andre Suster or, or some, you know, just kind of scrubby guy that they were going to plug down below and then maybe uh-huh. TVR would go up um, and, you know, someone would be paired with Hayden Fleury. Well, this was, you know, kind of the top of the defensive crop in terms of free agents this this year. And, you know, Calvin Hahn's good, but, you know, he's not the greatest player. Um, but, yeah, to, to think that he wanted to come here uh, means a lot. Now, as for the actual term, um, I, I like that the contract is pretty solid for top four defensemen. You're going to pay around four million at least um, for defense. It's just it's it's a you know it's a priority. Um, but the best part about that contract I like is it includes no no movement clause, no trade clause. So if this does go south or it turns into a, a Tomas Caberlet type signing in, in <laughs> within two years, then you know, there's there's nothing holding him back from trading him. Um, I, I like it. I like it. I think he'll he'll be solid. The year he had some injury issues last year, but the year before was his best year with 25 points, and he played all 82 games. So um, I, I like it. Uh, uh, you know, left hand shot. I, I like it. I really do. And um, yeah, I think it just inevitably means that Justin Fox definitely out the door now. Yeah, that was my biggest take. The The first thing I thought was, wow, that's a lot of defensemen that uh, you're paying north of $4 million. Um, uh, just about Calvin DeHaan alone, um, I think this is really interesting because he was the number one defenseman in this UFA market. Uh, if you're excluding Mike Green, who I, I would rather have DeHaan than Green, uh, personally, because of age and two-way ability, Green went back to Detroit anyway on a $6 million cap hit or something like that. Um, so I, I I think it says something about the Hurricanes that they were able to get the best defenseman on the open market this summer. And for that deal, I think that's really reasonable. Uh, he had other offers that, uh, that had more money on him. Um, but he chose Carolina, which I think is interesting. And I think it speaks volumes to, you know, what they're doing as a GM by committee, quote unquote. It looks like Don Waddell, of course, is obviously head manning that. But DeHaan said he talked to Tom Dundon, Don Waddell, and Rod Brindamore through the process. And, and he was sold on what Carolina wants to do. And really being honest, I, I, I don't know why he wouldn't want to come here. Basically, when you... yeah. When you look at the defense, at least, uh, you have Dougie Hamilton, you have Jacob Slavin, you have Brett Pesci on the top four. Uh, Falk is definitely gone uh, at this point. Knowing our luck, he's going to get traded tomorrow morning, so we're going to have to record another thing to add on to this podcast. But, um, I mean, DeHaan, he's either going to play with Dougie Hamilton or Brett Pesci. So if if I'm him, I, I like the sound of that. Because those are two really solid, uh, in Hamilton's case, probably an elite right-handed defenseman, and Brett Pesci, a bona fide top four right-handed defenseman. So you're playing with good players on that blue line. He said as much that, or during his uh, press conference, that you know that was part of the appeal of Carolina. He also said that he wants to help end this playoff drought, which I thought was cool. I thought, you know. I, the idea of him wanting to be part of something special here is good. Uh, he's 27. He's in the prime of his career. A really steady two-way guy for the penalty kill, which struggled last year. I think he's going to be great. Um, having Slavin Pesci on one penalty kill pair or, or any mix of the four of Dehan Pesci, Slavin, and I'd guess TVR, I think that's a really mm-hmm. good defensive setup for for a penalty kill and i think his puck moving ability is pretty underrated um you know he moves the puck up ice quickly he does it well he doesn't make a lot of mistakes Uh, he's really steady so i think that's a really good addition and really when you look at him and falk comparing them obviously they're different handedness but 
DeHaan's a lot more reliable than Falk is. So does he is he going to score 15 goals? No. But Falk only scored eight last year, I think. So, you know, I, I, I really like the move. I think it makes Falk moving inevitable. I thought it was already likely, but now, I, I mean, you can't pay five defensemen north of four and a half mil. Uh, so I think Falk's gone. I think there's, I, I can't imagine that he, he'd stay here, uh, especially with TVR signed to an extension. Hayden Flurry's there. McEwen, Carrick, Bean, uh, those three will probably be in the American League, but I like, I really like the signing and Falk is as good as gone. Oh, without a doubt. Um, and, and the best part about this deal is it also, um, solidifies the defensive core for the next few years to where you don't have to worry about contracts. Mm -hmm. Um, that top four is pretty much locked up for at least the next two to three seasons. Uh, I think Dougie Hamilton's will be the first to expire, but and that's not until twenty twenty one, I think. Yeah, so you you don't have to worry about that. You you can prioritize your offense now. Obviously, Ajo's do a raise, Terabinen's do a raise, and you can work on those um, those contracts. Uh, so yeah, I I really like it, and yeah, as you said, Justin Falk is as good as gone. Um, you know, it's just a matter of, of time. Uh, probably right after we post this podcast, mm-hmm. too. So absolutely. Um, but yeah, no. Um, but here's a fun fact for you: Calvin Hahn was drafted in 2009. What Carolina Hurricane was drafted in 2009? 2009. Without, that is yeah. Zach Boychuk. No, it's no, not. no. That's it's, 08. 09. Don't say anything. Don't say anything. Oh nine. It was. It was late first round. Late first well, round. Uh, uh, Philippe Paradis. Philippe Paradis. Yep. 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 Oh so, man, what a that was a that was a good one year. of the best moves of J.R. Jim Rutherford's tenure was trading Philippe Parody for Yuri Tulusi, I think, because Parody never turned into anything. Tulusi, uh, throughout his time, he was a reliable NHL forward, and then of course during the Stahl Semen era or combination era, uh, he was the magic third piece during that lockout shortened year. So. Yep. That's better huh. than Parody by a lot. Parody never played in the NHL. He's in some minor league in the Quebec uh, ranks. Yeah, uh, L-M-A-H. Very little. Uh, yeah, something, something very uh, unimpressive. But um, is that it? I think that's it. All right. Anyway, back to the rest of the pre-recorded podcast. Brett. Your initial thoughts on Cam Ward leaving and, and what he brought to the franchise? Uh, well, this is a this is a touchy subject, obviously. Um, Cam Ward, for better or worse, was this team's anchor for twelve years or eleven years. So, when a player like that leaves, there's going to be a lot of emotion attached to that. So. From the emotional side of it, um, I think Cam Ward deserves a whole lot of respect for what he did here. Um, I understand he wasn't great in the latter parts, but how I don't understand how you blame Cam Ward for all of that. I think you have to blame the organization for allowing him to be here that long. Um, as far as I'm concerned, Cam Ward was a guy who fronted the load and carried he carried the load I guess um, for a long time he played a lot of games he stopped a lot of pucks he let a lot of pucks go in but uh, I think he deserves a lot of respect for what he brought to this team and I know it's 12 years ago but he played the biggest role in the Hurricanes winning that cup so you have to thank him for that you have to realize how how good he was uh, in the first half of his career. Uh, he, I mean, this guy. I mean, he played what in the in the year that they missed the playoffs by one by one game. He played in what seventy two games and had like a nine twenty save percentage. I mean, that's a, that's an incredible year. Yeah. Um, there were a lot more low points than high points after that, but um, you know. I, I, I appreciate what he gave to the franchise. That being said, he had to go. He could not be around anymore, especially with Darling um, being under the contract that he is. And 
by all accounts, Scott Darling is working very hard to to be a better goalie. And I'm looking forward to seeing what Scott Darling looks like next year. I think next year will be a better sign of what Scott Darling will be than this past year was. Because I think last year, I think there was some other stuff going on. Um, but, you know, uh, now that Ward's gone, I think the whole... Cam Ward is like the leader of the locker room thing. I mean, that's out of the question now. I think the team will be forced to pick a new goalie. Uh, they can't fall back on Cam anymore. So it will be either be Mrazic or Darling, or maybe they both play 41 games. I will see. But, uh, yeah, I, I think you have to respect and appreciate what, what Cam brought to the organization. Yeah, I mean, he was an all-world-class guy, Nothing but good things to say about him. Um, but yes, I think it, it was inevitable that he was leaving. And I think it was something we kind of came to terms with. Um, yeah, there's there were years where it, the team in front of him was just embarrassing. Awesome. Yeah. It was embarrassing. There, The problem was never Cam Ward. Cam Ward was always a very solid goalie. Um, and there was years where he was better than others. And there was years where he was worse than others. But the teams that they put in front of him just were ever-changing. There was nothing ever solid in front of him. Um, and, and you know, that hurts a guy uh, long-term. And especially the usage of, of him, you know, the 72 games. The, the, I mean, they used him like crazy. Um, and that probably wore his body down a little bit, too. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it, it makes sense he goes to Chicago, you know, with Corey Crawford's health a little bit up in the air. Um, it at least provides probably as solid of backup goaltending as you can get um, in this class that you wouldn't have to overpay for. Um, so I, I think, yeah, he, he fits well in Chicago and, and wish him all the best. One, um, thing, yeah. one thing I will say uh, before we move on, um, one thing I always respected about Cam Ward was that he truly cared about this team. He truly cared about this area. Um, he always gave his all for for this team and that's something that i'm pretty appreciative of because not all players are like that um especially when you miss the playoffs every year i mean he that guy cared that guy wanted to be part of something special again here and it sucks that he's not but at the same time it's a business and you you have to get results and you know i think He's received a lot of heat, um, including from me. But when when the curtain falls on Cam Ward as a hurricane, I think you have to pay him his due respect because he gave a lot for this organization. So that's that's my spiel on Cam Ward. But it had and to it had to end. It had to end. He had to go. It did. It did. Uh, but all is said and done. Thirty should be retired. He should be welcomed back with with open arms. Um, Again, it was not his fault for some of those years. I mean, it, it's just, it just wasn't. Um, but yes, the Canes signed Peter Morazic to fill in for that backup slash 1B role. Um, now, I was a guy that originally before Canes country, I was at Octopus Thrower, uh, which is a Detroit Red Wings blog for the fan-sided network. Um, and that's how I started. around here. Yeah, oh yeah. We're huge fans of fansite. Um but yeah, so back then, um it was Jimmy Howard and Peter Morazic were were the one A and one B guys. Um but Howard was getting inconsistent and kinda old and it looked like Peter Morazic was gonna be the guy to take over. Um he did have some solid seasons in Detroit, but then he kinda had a pretty sour one, ended up in Philly part of last year, and now was a member of the Hurricanes. Do you like this deal, Brett? Uh, well, I would be lying if I said I liked him more than Carter Hutton or Jonathan Bernier or even Robin Lehner. Uh, but for what it is, I'm I'm willing to to see here because this is a 26 year old goalie uh, who has a lot of career ahead of him, and he's shown that at times that he can be a number one goalie and be a pretty good one. But the, the, the past two years have been rough for him. Um, he's openly admitted that. And what I respect about this is that 
he wanted to sign a one-year deal to prove to himself and to prove to everybody that he can still be a very good goalie. Um, I think he knows what issues have plagued him, and I think Mike Bales, the Hurricanes goaltending coach, knows what issues have plagued him, and I think they're both uh, willing to to fix that. And I'm open to see how that goes, open to seeing how that goes. Um, but really what this signing said to me was that they're really banking on Scott Darling bouncing back. They really are, because Peter Mrazek is not a number one. Uh, at times, he hasn't even looked like a number two. So, they're it looks like they're really banking on on Darling bouncing back. Yeah, um, I think it's inevitable. There's no way, and I I will defend myself on this hot take. There's no way that he could be worse than he was last year. There's there's only That's going a to be fair improvement. Statement. There's only going to be improvement. I I can say that with full confidence, and I think. I don't know if you you got your guy in Darling. Um, he may just be a stopgap until they are able to figure out, you know, either a they draft better in goal, or somehow Alex Nedeljkovic ends up being a one. At this point, in my fair opinion, I wouldn't put as I've said before. Don't put all your eggs in one basket with Nedeljkovic. Um, if it works out, that's great. But at at this point, the, he still has improvements to make. I don't think he would have been ideal to back up behind Darling this year. I think you keep him in Charlotte, get him as many games, and hope he continues to improve. Um, last year was better than the 2016-17 season. So, um, you know. I, He's still very young, too. There's, there's he is. You don't have to rush him at this point. There's yeah, and, goal, and goalies are way different than – um, you know, forwards and defensemen that sometimes get rushed in at 18. You, it. I don't remember the last time a goalie at 18 played. I don't even think it I ever happened in the last 20 years. Any time recently, yeah, at all. It, and and it's, that's also worth noting with Morazic. He's 26. Um, not too long ago, there were there was like goalies didn't come up until their mid 20s. Like Matt Murray's didn't exist where they came up early. So that's a reason for optimism, I think, a little bit with Mrazek. He's not an old guy. He's not he's three years younger than Darling, so or almost four years younger than Darling. So Yeah. Um and also I'm not comparing the two, but sometimes goalies are weird and they're late bloomers. Look at Devin Dubnik. He was a guy that struggled, um, you know, in Edmonton and stuff like that. And then he ends he up going around, to Minnesota. Yeah. He bounced around, I think what well, didn't he end up in Arizona for a little bit? Yeah, I mean, um, he was bad for a while. Like, yeah, he was a he, joke for a while. And then now we can consider him, you know, a Vesna candidate, you know, every other year at least. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm not saying Morazic's that, but if he can bounce back and be that kind of guy, I mean, the Hurricanes would love it. Um, but other than having to solve those, the Jeff Skinner and the Falk situations, what is a need you see this team has left? Or do you think that most of their problems from last year have been solved? Ooh, that's tough. So they still need a first-line center. Now, it, will that be Ajo? Will that be Natchez? I I think that one of Ajo and Natchez will end up being a viable 1C. Um, I'm not really worried about the 1C anymore. I think one of them will, will be fine. If not this year, then... For the long term, they're fine. Um, again, the only problem is goaltending. I don't think they solved it. Like, end of story, solve their problem with Morazic. Absolutely not. Because he could have an, an 890 save percentage this year. And, like, that that would be it. So, there, there's a lot of high risk, high reward with how they're going about this goaltending situation. Um, it would not shock me to see one of those goalies, Darling and Mrazek, have a 920 this year. It wouldn't surprise me. It also wouldn't surprise me to see one or both of them have a sub 905 save percentage this year, which puts you in an even worse position probably than when you were with Ward. So they they just have to hope that that it turns around. Uh, they got to hope that all this bad luck that they've had with goaltending uh, – finally turns into one year of good luck and hopefully more years to come after that um 
So I guess we'll see. The biggest question to me still is goaltending. Okay. Uh, all right. All right. Um, <clears throat> mark this. Yeah. Three, two, one. So some goaltenders, though, Brett, did end up making some address changes as free agency went underway. Um but there's a lot of other contracts out there, forward and defenseman-wise, that were signed. Um, what are some winners and some losers of free agency that you see? Hmm. I, I, I'm kind of iffy on Calgary. Uh, they got Derek Ryan, um, who I think is a good player. Again, um, I've, I've defended Derek Ryan many a time on this, on this podcast. Um, I think he's a good player. I'm interested to see how he is used in Calgary because if he starts getting more minutes than like Mikhail Backlund or Sean Monahan, then there's a problem. If he's a third line center, I think that works pretty well for Calgary. Uh, Monahan, Backlund, and um, and Derek Ryan down the middle isn't bad at all. Uh, so I think that's interesting. They gave James Neal a pretty big deal, and he's past the 30-year-old age, and they gave him money and term. So I'm interested to see how that works out. He had a great year with Vegas, so maybe he's revitalized. But um, I guess we'll see on that front. Uh, Carter Hutton to Buffalo I liked for Buffalo, and I also like Jonathan Bernier to Detroit. I like both of those moves for both of those teams. Um, Let's see here. What else? I mean, of course, Toronto is the big winner here because they signed John Tavares. So they're the big winner. Um, seven years, 77 million, 11 mil a year. I mean, that's that's not awful for John Tavares. I mean, he's worth that money. Uh, Toronto could be very, very dangerous again this upcoming year uh, and for the foreseeable future. I'll be interested to see how they manage all those assets with Matthews and Nylander and Marner, what kind of money they get. Um, that'll be interesting. They need defense still, so not saying they're going to or that they should, but maybe they package a forward for a defenseman. Uh, hey, if you're trading William Nylander, uh, go ahead, give Don Waddell a call. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, I... I as far as losers, I think Tyler Bozak got a little too much uh, money from St. Louis. Um, but that being said, St. Louis has a 1-2-3 center core of Braden Shen, Ryan O'Reilly, who they traded for and got a pretty good deal for. Um, and then Tyler Bozak is the three. So, I mean, St. Louis looks pretty good, too. Uh, don't forget about them because they missed the playoffs barely last year. I think they're going to be back this year. I think they're going to be pretty solid, assuming Jake Allen can kind of rein it in a little bit and kind of get some control back in the crease um, because they don't have Carter Hutton anymore. So some interesting deals for sure. Um, There weren't many contracts that I looked at. Well, I take that back. John Moore in Boston was an interesting move. Five years for John Moore. Uh, That was ridiculous, I thought. Um but yeah, I mean, free agency every year, some players got really overpaid. Some players uh, I thought were pretty decent deals. I guess we won't know for sure, but it's every single year, um, teams sign players to stupid contracts, and they come back to you know, be really, really awful within a year or two. So I guess we'll see in a year or two. Well, I think clearly the winner of free agency was the Toronto Maple Leafs. I mean, that's pretty apparent. Um, Adding John Tavares gives you a a player that just had 80-plus points last season and could probably hit 90 to 100 um, next season. He already joins a young, very exciting core that probably could have eventually um, made it to a Stanley Cup final, but now maybe that speeds up the process. Um, There is a lot of you know, questions of, of, hey, is it going to be Nylander? Is it going to be Marner that gets cut out of that lineup? Or are they going to be able to fit all four but risk um, defense in the process? So 
Um, yeah, again, yeah, give give Don Waddell a call um, if William Nylander hits the trade block. Um, as of right now, he's still an unsigned RFA, so offer she anybody? I'm oh, just kidding, but they, oh boy. I, I don't think they would, <laughs> we'd have to severely outbid them. Um, but it, maybe it's something Tom Dundon does. He's a risky guy. He's one of the yeah, new man. thinkers. He's one of the new thinkers. He doesn't care. Oh, my God. Could you imagine how much he would make Canada mad if he offers she did Nylander enough to get him away from there? Oh, boy. Oh, oh my God. Oh, no. Oh, my God. Canada would be so angry. They would be so They'd be mad. demanding that relocation. Oh, yeah. They would basically try to sign the papers themselves. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think they are the clear winners. Now, the clear losers of this, clearly. Oh, the Islanders. Is the Vancouver Canucks? Oh, the oh the Canucks too. The Canucks but, signed some awful, awful yeah. contracts. They spent twenty four million dollars on two people: Antoine Roussel and Jay Beagle. <laughs> and not only not only did they give them a lot of money, which they happens on it happens on July first. It happens. You're gonna get people are looking for security too. They're not just looking for money; they're looking for security. So I understand they gave them terms. So that's bad enough. But they also gave him a bunch of money. I don't know. It doesn't make sense. It's obviously a rebuild there. They know it. Um, they've got some young talent. Um, you know, you know, Brock Besser had a great year. And now you're post-Sedin and you go out and make yeah. this type of addition for a team that's not even close to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. It would honestly be a miracle if they made it next year. I don't see anything like that happening. So... Yeah, it makes no sense. Um, they, you know, one, I think it was a TSN article that said that Vancouver was concerned about their leadership um, oh, after, the, after the Sedins left. I get, I get, you know, you need leadership in any locker room, but Antoine Roussel and Jay Beagle, really? <laughs> really? Also, on top of Vancouver, I think Vancouver was the biggest loser in the West, uh, Thank you for bringing that up because that was hilarious to watch them sign all those deals. But what are the Islanders going to do? I yeah. mean, they signed like Filpula and like Komarov. Komarov to a stupid deal, like four years for a fourth line player in Komarov. Um, they don't have a goalie still. They they still don't have a goalie. I mean, at least Carolina signed a guy. I mean, the Islanders they lost Halak to Boston. Um, I would have liked to see the Carolina Hurricanes sign Halak, uh, actually. But he went to Boston. He'll back up to Karask or share the net with him. And they didn't. They haven't signed anyone. Are they going to sign, like, Laner? I, I don't know. I, I think Laner would be probably the best option. But they lost Tavares. And, I mean, I don't know. That's tough. Yeah, and I I know that a lot of people on the island were were frustrated. Um, to 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 make an understatement, um, you know, I guess you could you would have hoped that maybe he would have worn the team and then they could have traded him. Blah blah blah. Maybe he thought he could get something worked out. Maybe he thought he was going to stay. Um, I saw some comments that he said he hadn't end up deciding on Toronto until about Thursday or Friday, and then free agency hit on Sunday. So, I mean, if you get down to the wire there, I mean, you can't really warn a team that, hey, I'm going to go. <laughs> There's some times where that happens, but not not always. Um, yeah, they, they're the big losers in this situation. If I was them, I'd go full-on tank. Obviously, they have to meet the cap, and I think they still have too much room left. Um, so they got to do something else maybe. But, yeah, go full-on tank. Uh, you have Barzell. You have hosting if you ever decide to use them properly, um, you know. But the the worst thing is that defense is locked up under a ridiculous amount of term. They just locked up Thomas Hickey for what four years. They have Johnny Boychuk yeah. for like three more years. Locked they have him too. Yeah, they have a very bad situation especially on defense Noah Dobson probably won't play until who even knows 2025 <laughs> I mean uh I think I think he'd be not in this upcoming year but maybe the year after or the year after that I think when he's 19 or 20 he'll play I actually really like Dobson I think they did really well at the draft for for what it's worth because uh they got two really good players uh in Wallstrom and 
Didn't Wallstrom go to the Islanders? He did. Yep, Wallstrom. Wallstrom and Dobson. That's a, those are two good picks. Those are two guys that could have gone to top ten. But, um, yeah, their free agency and the Tavares thing, they lost out big. Yeah, it yeah it hurts to to be an Islanders fan, but I guess that's kind of one less threat the Canes have to worry about um, because it always seems yeah. like the Islanders are kind of that sneaky team like Philly where you know they'll have a bad year and then the next year they'll be sneaky good. Um, I think it's inevitable that they're Hurricanes and Islanders. Let's see, let's see if the trend of like seven to six final scores and no defense in those games continues. I'm yeah. hoping Carolina can just win like seven to one every time given they have good goaltending but that's a big f we'll see another big name on the market that made um a move was james van reamsteig and he goes into the metro division uh, uh which makes things you know the islanders get weaker but the flyers get stronger yes i mean they got jvr is a good player uh they gave him a lot of money uh we'll see how that works out i'm sure he'll be great um but now Wayne Simmons is kind of in trade rumors a little bit. I'll be interested to see if they trade him, and if they do, Carolina needs to get on that pronto. Wayne Simmons would be great here. Yes, he would fit well into that lineup for sure. Um, so outside of that JVR move, obviously, uh, another winner of the offseason, in my opinion, is Vegas. Vegas gets even tougher to play against. They That's get Paul Statsny. That's a good signing. I, um, I did like that. Yeah, um, so Winnipeg makes a move to kind of clear up some cap space, gets rid of Steve Mason. Obviously, Connor Hellebuck is the man there uh, with Eric Comrie behind him as well coming up shortly. Um, yeah, and they thought they were going to get Stastny back because of that cap room. Exactly, and exactly. And they, he ends up going he to... He ends up in Vegas. Vegas. The team that knocked them out of the playoffs last year. He did a full Kevin Durant, really. He oh, did. Oh, man. <laughs> He did. He did a full-on Kevin Durant. It was oh, no. in the Western Conference <laughs> finals, oh, no. and it happened. No, um, yeah, I think that team gets even stronger, um, and they seem to be a very serious contender for Eric Carlson. They seem to be. They if seem you, to be. If you add Eric Carlson to that team, and they still have some of that magic left over from last year, oh, boy. I mean, that's, that's scary. That's scary. The West is so interesting because I feel like the East this year is going to be pretty predictable. Yeah. But, yeah, the West, I mean, St. Louis gets significantly better, way better. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then Vegas kind of gets, I guess, in a way stronger. Um, you maybe hope some of the other guys, you know, develop a little bit more. And then you got, I mean, they still have a pretty good prospect covered now with Brandstrom and Suzuki. Um, whether they make the jump or not. Glass as well. But, uh, yeah, Glass, Cody Glass. But maybe one of them would have to be considered in a package for Probably. Carlson. Um, yeah. But he reportedly turned down uh, an eight-year extension for um, 10 million. worth about 10 mil, um, now, which now is other less teams... than what Drew Doughty got. Apparently he wants Doughty money, which I, which I understand. But um, he... Uh... Apparently, the Ottawa Senators have given permission to other teams to discuss contract negotiations and extensions with Carlson in the event that a trade was to happen. So that's Carlson's gone. <laughs> He's gone. Yeah, I and I think that there's no point in the Ottawa Senators um, extending this situation into the season. Get it over with. You know what the team you're going to be next year. There's no reason Eric Carlson should be on there. They obviously had to get rid of Mike Hoffman, regardless of yeah. whether Eric Carlson was on that team or not. But the other one is going to be Eric Carlson in that situation. He, I think, doesn't want to be a senator anymore. I think it's pretty apparent. Yeah. Um, so they just need to get that situation over with as soon as possible so that they can... I mean, they are probably going to be the worst team in the league, but they kept their pick, which <laughs> makes things even more interesting for the Colorado Avalanche. Mm-hmm. Um Colorado Avalanche could 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 be a playoff team next year with a and top have, five like, pick, the first overall pick. Yeah, that would yeah. that would be something. Yeah, even even maybe top three. So, but you know, with the draft lottery, things are a little bit different. Yeah. Um. So, with that, we thank you for listening mm-hmm. to the Canes Country podcast. This was a good episode. We got a little bit off our chest here. Yes. 
yeah, I mean, the Carolina Hurricanes are a different team than when we last spoke, and they'll probably they'll be, be different again when we talk next. Different when we talk next. When we talk next, we don't know. If there's something big that goes down on the Jeff Skinner and Justin Falk front, then we might speak to you guys yes. again. If not, we may not. You may not hear from us until August. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, but we got some good stuff planned for this season. Yeah, with that, follow us at Canes Country on Twitter. Like us on Facebook, Canes Country, and then at Canes Country Picks on Instagram. Uh, you can follow Brett at Brett Finger on Twitter. He somehow posts tweets that get 30-something likes, and they are not even of substance. I don't get it. <laughs> I don't understand. Uh. You people need to stop supporting him. <laughs> I don't get it. And then oh. I release a funny one, and I get three <laughs> likes tops. I don't get it. And you're just like, I like the Canes, and then there's 50, 50 <laughs> likes. I, I just don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. Them's but the any, breaks, man. That's, no, that's he, just how he, the cookie crumbles, you know? Yeah, that's how the cookie crumbles. <laughs> um, I'm at Lanky Lape on Twitter. Don't follow me. Just follow oh, Brett. No, follow he, him. He's a good follow. Um, and, yeah, we got a few staff changes. Um, but, yeah, same great coverage. You're welcome. Absolutely. Canescountry.com. Canescountry.com. Thanks for listening. Bye. <laughs>